New York Artists Collective. Hi there and welcome to the New York Artists Collective podcast this next one's about. I'm Stephanie Manns. If you haven't joined us before, this is a songwriting podcast where we invite one of our favourite artists to tell us about one of their songs, just how they might do on stage but in a bit more detail. Today I'm so excited to have one of my favourite bands, Striking Matches, uh, on the show. Striking Matches is Sarah Zimmerman and Justin Davis and they are a Nashville band who met in college at music school and went on to form a band and write songs for the hit TV show Nashville. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I will let you know how to get hold of an exclusive recording of Trouble Is As Trouble Does. Striking Matches join me to talk about their new song, Monster, ahead of their upcoming Northeast tour and EP release. So Striking Matches, welcome to the podcast. So you, Striking Matches consist of Sarah Zimmerman and Justin Davis. So um, welcome and thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you guys been a band? We've been a band for, hmm, what year is it? Long enough, to, <laughs> long enough to forget, I guess. Um, we think I, it's somewhere seven, around like seven or eight, eight years. years. And you met in college, is that right? We did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, longer ago than that, but I just yeah. we knew each other for quite a while before we actually mm-hmm. called it official. That we yeah. were. <laughs> and you met in music school and you were paired by a teacher? <laughs> yeah, just completely at random. Uh, we, we were at Belmont University here in Nashville. We came to be guitar players really yeah. so we went to guitar school and <laughs> on the first day of school they were randomly pairing up freshmen which we were on the first day just you had to get up and play with somebody you didn't know just mm-hmm. complete stranger in front of the whole class they picked me and they picked Sarah and we got up and we just kind of had to wing it and it went pretty well yeah so, <laughs> so I was like uh, we should do that again please tell me it went badly for somebody because that that to me just sounds like a recipe for awkwardness I'm pretty sure the idea was completely for people to just totally fail and so there were definitely some kids that got up there and they you know they just tried to do too much I think and tried to impress when they should have just you know played not played it safe but done something I think smarter not not harder you know so I think there were definitely some of the kids that maybe it didn't go as well yeah I (laughs) I mean with guitar players with a lot of things but I feel like namely guitar players at that stage in life it's all like the the wild west where it's it's just like who's the fastest gun and everybody's always just trying to outplay and it's not even outplay just like outspeed each Mm -hmm. other (laughs) like who who plays the fastest and and so that was just a very kind of a guy guitar player bravado Mm -hmm. sort of version it was like everybody would get up there and just try (laughs) to do that and it would it doesn't make for playing well with like somebody else right you know you can kind of do that on your own but as soon as you just try and have a jam that's when you need to like reel it all in you know kind of keep it keep it simple right so we just played some blues. Yeah, we did yeah. just play some blues. And <laughs> yeah, that, and kind of blues like lends mm-hmm. itself for that. That's, mm-hmm. that's why people would do it on the front porch and stuff. It's because you can just kind of jam with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You both have quite a blues influence, I guess, going on. W- was that from growing up? Yeah, my my first concert ever was actually B.B. King. And so, I mean, my, oh, my wow. dad mainly, but <laughs> my mom loved it too. But my dad just, he listened to blues and, and just a lot of guitar players and, and folk music and stuff like that. And rock and roll kind of in the 70s mm-hmm. but that left such an impression on me him being the very first person I ever saw play live mm-hmm. so it's I can't can't help it it's just kind of ingrained that's definitely one for the books I mean that's one of the, the world legends of oh, guitar yeah. playing and yeah, musicians generally it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's... 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was just mm-hmm. completely in, enamored. And you thought, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, what was your first concert? Do you remember? My first concert was James Taylor. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Another legend. Yeah, totally. Uh, it doesn't help explain the blues influence, I don't think, at all. But um, but it was, I remember we were sitting, it was in like a, an outdoor shed uh, venue. We had seats on the lawn, and so I couldn't even see the stage. So I watched, I was like eight, I think, and I had to watch the whole show on the screen. <laughs> but I still remember it. But that, like in my head, when I think about it, I don't remember seeing the stage. I remember seeing the screen, which was kind of weird. Um, so in terms of your songwriting, and I guess that, you know, those are some, some pretty heavy hitters in terms of influences, but let's talk about your latest single monsters that just came out recently. So tell me about how you wrote that. And it's a very different direction for you guys. I think this, this new EP, it definitely sounds kind of new and different to me. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think that like you touched on, you kind of have to talk about the EP as a whole, because mm -hmm. for noon which is the name of the cp we, we've had this series a three ep series called morning noon and night and with noon it was really meant to just be kind of just eliminate the a lot of the boundaries that we maybe set for ourselves mm-hmm. or just sort of get artificially set for ourselves because we sort of play within a sound and paint with certain colors and with this one it was just we wanted to have almost a therapeutic chance to mm-hmm. kind of paint with different colors or whatever colors you wanted mm-hmm. and so it was it's almost like pulling neon and you know, things that we, we don't normally do. And so that was that was kind of the, the purpose of Noon, which was just leading to songs that we've always wanted to create, but just haven't. And and just see if we could go there. It was just it's been a fun thing. So Monster kind of came about because it was it was almost we wanted to pull something from very influential of, of like the 80s mm-hmm. and the, you could just hear kind of leap off of one of the 80s movies yeah, or something totally. like that like a, a, any 80s movie soundtrack mm-hmm. that was gen- definitely the the inspiration for it and then but we ended up having slide guitar in there and just the things that still make us oh, yeah. who we are mm-hmm. so we didn't want to go so far that it didn't even make sense anymore it was just using some of those influences and sounds and synths and like crazy stuff that we had just never had the chance to use before yeah. uh had an opportunity to do it so we did yeah. yeah and it was interesting to kind of juxtapose just kind of breaking down what makes a song a song mm-hmm. because we essentially wrote the song lyrically and melodically as we do a lot with sort of an acoustic guitar and mm-hmm. writing lyric and form first but then kind of surrounding it with a certain production and just depending on what you surround something with it, mm-hmm. it vastly changes what people perceive it to be it's funny you said about the, the 80s movie, because I think when I watched the video, I was getting a very kind of Teen Wolf kind of vibe. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and I am really happy that you said yeah. that, because <laughs> that was what we wanted to kind of strive for with it and almost play a role there. I mean, there's definitely something genuine in, in the lyric and stuff, but we wanted to surround it almost as if we were like acting in a, a story mm-hmm. or something that we were writing for yeah. ourselves mm-hmm. and making it kind of in bite-sized projects like an EP or like a single rather than doing a full record Mm -hmm. as it. It just seemed a lot more interesting to us at the time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was just going to add in that this song just happened. A big reason why we wanted to release it too was just because um, it has one of our favorite guitar solos we've ever done on a song. And so that kind of made it a special thing too that we wanted. Yeah, I mean, that was another thing that the 80s, we're kind of known for right. is that epic they had these solos. epic guitar solos that you don't necessarily get to hear very much anymore. And so it was like, if we're going to go there, if we're going to tap into this kind of 80s vibe for this 
as kind of the the background of the song, mm-hmm. then we absolutely have to put that. That's our version of it is putting the guitar solo in yep. it. Right. And yeah. complete with like a twin part and everything, <laughs> just kind of the the epicness to it. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, Sarah kind of played it all on slide, which was really cool. <laughs> I don't know too many 80s style guitar solos like that that were actually played with slide. <laughs> so that was That's a fair point. That's a very good point. And just lyrically, I mean, wh- wh- where did the idea from the song come from? I think the you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm. Justin, but I think uh, the idea initially came from our co-writer. His name is Sam Ellis, who produced the track as well. Uh, he had been watching what was the show he was watching the night before? It was like one of those uh, like drama, creepy drama, like really kind of like scary show. And he just, he was just like, I had this idea about just like what if you you know I created a monster like I going into all these kind of like inspiration from the show but then I think it was Justin probably that kind of took it to the next level like lyrically you know I feel like it was more lighthearted. I pulled from my own experience where it's just I don't know you just don't have the discipline or the wherewithal to to break something off when when you ought to have Mm -hmm. and it's more from just a place of compatibility with the person and it's like you know, if you if you go on another date with them or if you kiss them or something like that, you're creating a whole lot more difficult situation in mm-hmm. the future to come because they're just all that much more invested in you and, and that kind of thing. And and so but just playing mm-hmm. it off in, in sort of a just in this scope of a uh, almost like a Frankenstein's monster kind of thing mm-hmm. where where it feels a whole lot more dramatic because it, t- it tends to when it's when it's your situation <laughs> from your personal I think I think you nailed it it really is just that sort of like exciting like but also scary when you first kind of start to fall for somebody it's you're like should I do this or shouldn't I do this and is this bad for me and I don't know but I don't care you know so I think that was definitely where that was all coming from cool we'll tell you what how about we take a listen to the track this is striking matches and monster I created a monster somebody I can't control made a connection my heart with a million volts Summon a demon When I said we can't just be friends But I let you kiss me again, again We blow our minds I'm bad for you, bad for you But I'm good at it, good at it too There's nothing I won't do Every time I'm with you I'm feeling that feeling that don't
that was monster um i really like it it's really fun and i i also checked out your new single uh say what you wanna that i think came out very recently um and that was really cool i really like the video for that oh thank you <laughs> thank you that was really fun what was so the video that you have for say what you wanna has uh, features a drag queen mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> super fun loved it what was the idea around that one um we were kind of pitching ideas with the director uh, of the video because we just needed something to sort of illustrate what that song was hammering home mm-hmm. so much which is it's almost playing on the fact that in today's time you really ought to say what you want to you ought to be yourself but also i think just with the amount of noise it creates <laughs> where it just is sort of playing on both that saying what you want to and the importance of it but also showing restraint sometimes <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's kind of a, it's a bit of a fight song there. So mm-hmm. I think the coolest and, and most interesting visual representation we could was Vidalia, who is the, the drag queen mm-hmm. in the video. And it was really fun to work with them. And yeah. um, I just thought it was, it, the experience of it was really cool. They they learned the lyric and, and the song and so well that mm-hmm. they just kind of had choreographed mm-hmm. a dance to it. And it was so cool. <laughs> it kind of blew us both away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like it it was a really cool visual manif- manifestation of kind of what we were saying in the song. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. We did we went downtown in, you know, on Broadway in Nashville to shoot a couple of shots and it was amazing how she just sort of like made the street her own and did not care if people were watching, didn't care if it looked like they were saying something under their breath. Like she just didn't care. And she was like, I love making people feel uncomfortable. Oh. And I was just like, this is amazing. But it really yeah. did, you know, just that that attitude that she just exuded just from walking around was just yeah. sort of like, that's what this song is exactly about. Yeah. So it was really cool to get to experience yeah. that. I mean, in Nash- I know Nashville's very liberal, but. Walking around in downtown Nashville is not the same as walking around in downtown New York as a drag queen, you know. Yeah, totally. no, not at all. Totally. It, because, yep. I, well, I think you're right there. The Broadway part of town in Nashville tends to mm-hmm. be primarily tourists, mm-hmm. which is kind of anybody's yep. guess. Right. You know, what, <laughs> which way anybody leans mm-hmm. there. <laughs> so just sort of leading back to your EP or the three EP project that you have, tell me a bit more about the impetus for that and how that's been received. Because I think, you know, typically... In the music industry, traditionally, in terms of being taken seriously, you release an album and that's how you kind of tour and that's, how, you know, when when people will uh, review your work and whatnot. So how has this three EP project been received? And, and again, you know, what was the, the thought behind it? It's been really fulfilling from a fan standpoint mm-hmm. where people have just been really supportive. And I think even when we got into noon, we really anticipated that if, if there was going to be a time when people threw their hands up and just weren't sure anymore mm-hmm. it would be during noon mm-hmm. because we just we we were going to go places that we hadn't been before and it was really kind of the opposite 
we just felt a lot of the the fans and even people who almost seemed like they weren't in super fan territory. So we the super fans tend to like what you do no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's the ones who are kind of in the middle who mm-hmm. who are supporters, but maybe be where you can gauge how well or or not well something is received. It's just kind of been overwhelmingly positive and just saying that this is so different for you guys, but we're just really into it and. Mm-hmm. It's a cool thing as artists being able to explore, but it's also the timing of it was, I feel like it's something that a label and a lot of the industry just wouldn't quite get Mm. or have the patience to kind of give it a shot. And so it was really important for us right here that if we were going to try it, now was the time to do it. Mm -hmm. Because you guys are independent now, right? Correct. We are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was part of the reason it was like, we, we can do this now Mm -hmm. and it feels like what we want to experiment and try and do because who knows if we'll do it ever again? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. The cool thing is it sets a precedent for us where if we did do it again, it wouldn't be the crazy thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And you've got um, the evidence to back it up to somebody else if, if yeah, you join another ex- label. Exactly. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we join another label, it's kind of like we scratch that artistic itch. Mm-hmm. And so if if it's something that we, we don't want to do, it, I don't know. It's kind of once once you've done something like this, maybe you refine it or do it again. But we've also kind of done it. But mm-hmm. it's also we're just we're musicians yeah. we're songwriters and we mm-hmm. we i keep coming back to this we want to paint with different colors yeah. and sometimes that makes sense or sometimes it should just be something that you just play for friends and mm-hmm. don't release but mm-hmm. this felt like something that we could make sense of and make, make it make sense to fans in kind of this three ep concept mm-hmm. right record or project mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily calling it a record, but it's like a record's worth of songs yeah. mm-hmm. you know, in, in EP form. Mm-hmm. And by design, each of the EPs is a little bit different. We really right. found that we were just writing so much in, in the time that we kind of left the label to when we first got to like put something out. We were we had just written so many songs and we were like, well, and, you know, they all just they had a little different flavor. And so it was like, well, why don't we just take all of these things, which are things that we do and just make them into separate EPs. So it's like morning, noon, and night are the three EPs. It's three parts of a day. Each of these EPs is a part of striking matches. And so that's why we really just wanted to be able to to do it all. And and now, like you were saying, Justin, like we might not do something like that again, but I think doing it made us so, just as artists, it, it pushed us so far. And it was like, there was a lot of self-discovery that happened, I think, in doing it that allowed us to, you know, we started to, figure out how to how to sing in different ways that we had never done, how to play different things that we've mm-hmm. never played. And now we can go and take all of those new tools that we have in our toolkit and use them on what we do next. It's really exciting. It's, it's a great idea. And your new EP or your your second EP um, is coming out December 6th, which is also the date that you play in New York. <gasps> That's there you right. Go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Super excited about that show um, at the Knitting Factory and, and we'll talk about that uh, shortly. I do just want to sort of touch back on Something that I'm sure you're probably fed up of talking about, but Nashville. Yeah. As in the TV series Nashville. So that was a big start for you. Yes, it definitely was. I mean, before that, you know, Justin and I had played, you know, some local shows and things like that, but we had not had a song on television before. We hadn't been out of the country before. Like we had, we really were just kind of starting out and it was our first break in a sense, really. And our first, you know, the thing that led us to to an international fan base and all of that. So it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was our first real taste of success, I yeah. feel like. 
it was it was so special. Yeah, I mean, if you think about our career, it's everything mm-hmm. kind of branches from there. Mm-hmm. Really, it's sort of like that happened, and then oh, we got to do the opera. Yeah. And, oh, we went to England, and oh, we got to go and make a record with T Bone Burnett. So you know, it definitely that's sort of where the the tree starts. Yeah, I mean, the album that you made with T Bone Burnett was brilliant, and he's brilliant anyway. But Thanks. it must have been. Yeah. How did that feel making a record with someone like that? Were you nervous at all, or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was. I mean. In, <laughs> That was our first record, first record so it's, yeah. it's almost like your trial by fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were nervous, but he's also really good. He's a nurturing producer, mm-hmm. so definitely helped alleviate a lot of that, but just teaches you so much, and then it just helps you never be intimidated. Yeah, <laughs> because true. Because it's when you, when you kind of start there, it just makes everybody human, mm-hmm. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I guess personally, if that were me, I, I would sort of feel a bit nervous about deferring to that person. Going, oh, you you know everything. Yeah. You must know what to do with this. You know? <laughs> For sure. And that was definitely a lesson learned mm-hmm. because I think there was some of that that happened. Mm-hmm. But also we we were artists enough to, to be able to kind of speak up and, and play what we wanted and do what we wanted. But it was definitely something that at least introduced us to the concept of mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And just being like, this this is ultimately your record and... You need to, to step up and you need to be able to tell a guy like T-Bone or Burnett no if you really feel strongly about mm-hmm. something. And yeah. that's just the important thing when you're working crea- creatively with mm-hmm. people. So um, we're still learning that with each other, I yeah. feel. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, how, did, how, how did you guys kind of do that organically? I mean, in terms of songwriting generally, do you come together with a song that you've been working on separately or do you kind of come, in, you know, come together and say, hey, I want to write a song like this. Let's do that. It's definitely both. I think um, a lot of times one of us will have, you know, a verse or maybe a chord progression or or a chorus and then the other brings it to them. I think some of my favorite songs that we've written together were written that way where it was like I got it to a certain point or he got it to a certain point and we needed the other one to just Mm -hmm. finish, you know, to really take it home. And that's what I think is my favorite thing about writing together. You can, you have that other person that can just see something a little bit differently and and take it to the finish line, which is really cool. But it's, it really is always different. Sometimes we'll do like something strictly based off of a riff and write something around that. And a lot of times we'll bring in a third person or a fourth person sometimes too on co-writes. So it's always different. Oh, cool. And uh, I just wanted to, to back to something we talked about just before we, we hit the record button. But I was saying the first time I'd seen you guys perform was at the O2 in London um, at Country to Country. And you guys, it was like the after party. And you guys, um, I think, were performing Trouble Is As Trouble Does. Mm -hmm. And I remember something happened with your guitar, Sarah, and you had to switch during the song. And it was during that solo. Someone and like you know the guitar tech put you know took the guitar effectively off your head and swapped it so fast you were playing it above your head as he <laughs> plumbed it back in and like <laughs> I just saw jaws hit the floor <laughs> it was something else um, and I was just like wow that that is something special <laughs> it was really I really I feel cool. like out of the two of us for some reason I'm the one more susceptible to things going wrong <laughs> I just like I'm always the one to break the strings or the guitar or like drop my slide and have a chatter like it's always me <laughs> I, I'm not gonna so touch I feel that, like so. I'm a little used to it a little like I if something goes wrong I'm like okay I look around 
see who can help me out or what's, you know, what, what extras did I bring (laughs) to make sure that I can get taken care of. So I'm very, I try and stay quick on my feet. (laughs) Yeah. I guess once you're, if you're you're prepared for it, then, you know, it doesn't phase you, I guess. Right. Yeah, because the worst thing you can do is just stand there and not do anything. So <laughs> I guess I never know. Start dancing. I, it's almost I don't just know. like sometimes, sometimes a moment like that goes really well, and sometimes just I, things move so fast on stage. That's the crazy thing. When, crazy. when that happens, it's like that weird, crazy, almost effect in films where where it's like in fast slow motion, where it's just like things right. moving too quickly for mm-hmm. you to really perceive time correctly. Yeah, but. I was so happy when you brought that memory up because it's mm-hmm. one of those things that you just kind of forget. Totally forgot. And I, when you said it, it all came kind of rushing back. And I remember that moment. Yeah, I think you had maybe broken a string or something. Probably. But I remember <laughs> it happening now. And, yeah. And it was just such a cool thing because that was one of those where it just felt like uh, there's, it's always a bit like comparing it to landing a trick or something because you all you feel like you're kind (laughs) of in midair before you kind of hit the ground and it's like oh is he gonna stick the landing i don't know and and (laughs) i feel like she stuck the landing on that one (laughs) and when you do it and everybody cheers and it's such a moment it's like something is funny it's like when something goes wrong in a show that's makes the best moments right totally it's like if things go off without a hitch like you planned it it's all great it's all two thumbs up is great but if something goes wrong that's when you really create mm-hmm. you get the chance anyway to create something truly special yeah you really won fans that that night i think i mean oh, yeah. i think country music in the uk i mean that was 2015 and it was really sort of just beginning to happen like you felt that kind mm-hmm. of grassroots you felt the energy i think at that at, you know those concerts it was incredible and mm-hmm. I, it was just you know, wonderful to, to see you guys there mm-hmm. but speaking yeah. of incredible performances last night you performed at the ryman yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at the Grand Ole Opry, mm-hmm. which is such an such an honor. Yeah, and it's another one of those things that goes by so quickly, yeah. and you're just like, by the time you get on stage, you're walking off stage, and it's like, did that happen? Is yeah. all that? <laughs> right. And but it's really it's a magical place, and it's it's really cool. They bring the Opry there uh, during this time of year, um, I guess, so they can have some of the Christmas shows out at the Opry House, but. Uh, just having the Opry at the Ryman in that historic room is just so cool. Well, I think, you know, for the uninitiated or people who have heard it, heard of it, maybe haven't been or don't know, there's the Ryman Auditorium, which is a really famous theater in Nashville where they had the Grand Ole Opry for a Mm -hmm. long time. And then they actually built the Opry House, the Grand Ole Opry House um, out at Opryland. And so they have that. They have the actual show, the Grand Ole Opry, at the Opry House for most of the year. But then around Christmas, they move the show back to the Ryman. And the Ryman's a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. It's more intimate. It's only about 2,000 or so people, which is still quite a lot. But um, compared to the Opry, the Opry House, House it which feels... is closer to 5,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's just, it's where so many of the greats of, of kind of a generation prior to the Opry House all played. And mm-hmm. it's just the spirits there and, mm-hmm. and the, the history it's just all pretty overwhelming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think i feel like if country music were a religion it would be born at the ryman exactly yeah, probably that's why so. they, they call it the mother church <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's right. exactly why they call it that yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's so cool you know that venue has every kind of music now you can go i remember seeing grace potter play a couple of years ago there and it was one of the most amazing shows i had ever seen and so i love how it is sort of this this church of country music but also now they've involved kind of everything which mm-hmm. i think is really cool yeah 
and there's just kind of a general reverence for it, mm-hmm. you know, playing different style music, but we all kind of, we pull from it and yep. we were influenced mm-hmm. by it. Just like the blues I and mean, country music yeah. was just sort of ingrained in both of us. Mm-hmm. It's what our family, my, my grandparents would go up when they were uh, in their 20s and would go to the Grand Ole Opry mm-hmm. and see it there. And I just think they, they think it's the coolest thing in the world that I get to stand up on that stage and play the show. <laughs> and, and so do I. I think it's amazing. Do they come down and watch? They have before. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they're, uh, my, my granddad's in his, he's 92 mm-hmm. and, um, I'm not going to say how old my grandma is. <laughs> she's just, you know, she's in her prime and, but you know, for, for my granddad's sake, you know, yeah. of course <laughs> it's just a little harder for them to travel, but they listen, they listened in last night yeah. and I gave them a shout out on stage. Do, do, do they, do they text you? Are they, are they texters? They're not texters. I kind of get it um, sort of secondhand. Like they'll, mm-hmm, they'll gotcha. tell an aunt to <laughs> tell me. <laughs> yeah. My granddad tried to text me and he was all thumbs. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be, that would be, I think maybe they've tried and then you know, couldn't, couldn't make it past. Yeah. I tried to introduce him to Snake on like the, the <laughs> no, just didn't, didn't, just didn't happen. Oh, uh, before we wrap up, I actually have one, uh, one fun question for you and then um, I'll, I'll let you go. But uh, so, what I like to ask uh, my interviewees is on your proverbial um, iPod, if you remember, if you, you probably did have an iPod back in the day, um, what would your top three <laughs> tunes be or top m- three most played tunes be on your imaginary iPod? Mm. That's good. That is good. <laughs> mm. um, maybe, maybe this will be easier and it'll give us, since, since we're a duo, um, if I go first and then you go and then yeah. I can have time to think of my second one. Okay, <laughs> okay. that's fair. That's fair. Okay, <laughs> first. Tell about how about you do two each and then we don't have to do six. Okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, um, I would say go your own way. Mm, Ooh, that's a good one. Good one. Yeah. Mine was also a Fleetwood Mac song. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I just think that landslide is such like I heard. I can't even remember. Honestly, God, I can't remember who was doing it i don't know if we were like in an airport or some random place but somebody was singing it and i heard it lyrically differently than i had ever heard it before and i was like oh i know what this song is about now it never really i always like liked the song and then i listened to the words just differently i was like this song is an incredible like it's and i think everybody knows it's such a great song but i never really digested the lyrics in that way until that moment um, I wish I could remember who it was, but that's okay. Um, but that would probably be mine would be landslide. And this is just a brutally hard question, but I think <laughs> I would have to go with, uh, in the wee small hours of the morning, mm, that's good. which is a Frank Sinatra song. Oh. And that one was actually suggested by T-Bone when we were making the record. Um, he would sometimes not give very specific tips on what to do. He would just play a song and you're just meant to almost derive meaning from it. And so he played me that and I took what I took from it, but also just the song took on a a meaning bigger than I feel Mm -hmm. like what it ever was. But it's just one, it's an absolute classic of a song, just lyrically and performance. But I would listen to it pretty much every morning when Mm -hmm. we would fly everywhere, when we were in kind of the the thick of a tour in doing fly dates. So we would have to get up and do 
four or five flights a, a week and I would just listen to that song every single morning and gave me a sense of home or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. I guess that's the only way you can really pick a song like that because you have to kind of appropriate deeper and yeah. more substantial meaning to it. Otherwise, you just list every song in the world because mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, I love this one for this and I, I love this one for that. So this one's on. got the greatest guitar solo and <laughs> this I just love this artist the most. So this one, right. but... Um, yeah, in the wee small hours of the morning, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Go listen to it if you haven't heard it. Yeah. Did it ever influence anything that you guys wrote? I don't know because he, uh, I mean, he would even say that like he never really even wrote any of his songs. It just, but they became such so quintessentially mm-hmm. his. Yeah. That's I, it may have, but it would be subconsciously. I just always feel like mm-hmm. if you try to write a song like that, you'd start singing like him and something mm-hmm. like that, and it would kind of come off right. as kind yeah. of quasi weird. But I do love a lot of the language in those songs. They're mm-hmm. they're really cool. Just saying, titling a song in the wee small hours of the morning. That's, that's, that's almost like it sounds like a Scottish song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, it kind of does. Huh? Um, people people tease uh, me about saying we all the time. Oh, I I think I've gotten it. I've I've Justin, slipped up and said it just from lot, our time yeah. in the UK mm-hmm. and touring up in Scotland. I just yep. started um our tour manager is is Scottish. He's mm-hmm. from Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's an accent. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's so lovely. I love it. And um he so I think just being around him the most out of anyone on the tours yeah. I, I start to like slip up and mm-hmm. say it. I love it though. Yeah. Oh, I love love, love a good Scottish accent and uh some scottish words i hope he he teaches you something absolutely did you ever try a deep fried mars bar whilst you were there no, no. someone oh. else told me about that's that that's right i have yeah. heard that yeah yeah we have to do that next yeah. time no he but... basically just taught me and got me into the whiskey <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's the best thing to do i mean I, I'm, a, yeah. a deep fried mars bar is not good for you i would <laughs> not recommend it uh, i have to say uh, Sarah can't get out of that. <laughs> she, has to, she has to lay. She has to say her second song. <laughs> Sarah, I'm so sorry. Please, please tell me your your second song. Um, I would. I think just because this song is like in my head all the time, uh, is Bonnie Raitt something to talk about? I think Bonnie Raitt is like she's one of my biggest heroes. I've never even gotten to see her live, but she's one of my biggest influences. Obviously for Slide and just you know, I think the chord changes in that song are so cool and it's just always been a song that I think is awesome and anytime it comes on I'm like I'm not going to skip that song because I'm going to listen to it so that would be mine yeah anytime somebody makes a a key change feel natural or like it belonged there all the time yep even though it's like it just I love that that song was such such a hit Mm -hmm. and had pretty abrupt key changes all throughout yeah it's pretty hard for cover bands to nail. <laughs> I've not like heard usually. anyone nail it. Yeah, I think I had to funny. cover it in a in a class. Yeah. Remember, I had it in that rock ensemble class. Yeah. Did you? Were you in that class yet? Or were you just watching? So. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is fine, but like, that's a tough one to recreate. But you know, it's just such a good song. It's funny. A lot of um, a lot of female musicians quote Bonnie Raitt and that particular song when I ask them that you know like who influenced you or why or whatever, and a lot of them say Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. I know that is true. I just read an article with actually it was she and Brandy Carlisle and Bonnie Raitt was like, nobody ever tells me that I'm their hero. Nobody ever says that I'm an influence. I was like, are you crazy? What? <laughs> like so many people must. But I think for me, especially just with the slide and as a female slide player, I think uh, it's, you know, she's just she's defined some of that sound. And I think that she's just so cool. And I hope I get to meet her someday. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I mean, I know that we haven't really sort of talked about 
being a female guitarist because it's like this is more of a, a band right. chat but I mean Sarah what was it like at, you know music school for you as a female guitarist were you kind of one of a handful uh in in college I was one of two uh mm-hmm. and there were about a hundred kids in the class but wow. to me like I I don't think I ever I started playing guitar when I was 10. I have two brothers. It never, I don't even think at that point it really occurred to me like, oh, I'm the only girl and this is weird. Like it was just, it was what I did. It never mattered. My competition was never the other girls. My competition was just the players. And so I have like, people ask me all the time, like, what's it like to be a female guitar player? And I'm like, I'm just a guitar player to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is, it's, sometimes I take a step out and I try and look at it because I really want to be able to be an influence where I can. And, and the more females we have playing guitar, the better, I think. Yeah, for sure. It's just funny. Cause I think there's a lot of female guitarists and like when they're touring with their bands or whatever, and people will say to them, oh, are, we, are you like helping the band or something? They don't like, people don't assume. Oh yeah, I do get that. That's yeah. true. I have gotten that more recently than ever. I think I've gotten it. Like I'll be, Justin and I will be setting up and he'll ask if I'm his, just his girlfriend. Oh. And, and then they'll be, he's like, no, I'm like, this is my stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, and I, I mean, I can attest to that just because I'll be standing there yeah. when it happens. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I don't <laughs> think they mean anything. No. By it. It's just one of those those things. And then usually you kind of watch as the night progresses and their their jaw starts to kind of slowly mm-hmm. just drop and <laughs> they realize, oh, OK. Yeah, it's a shame that that is still the stereotype. I know. Yeah. I look forward to the mm-hmm. day where it's not. <laughs> well, this is kind of the way we do it, I think, because I. I feel like every from the moment I saw Sarah play, it was just like the coolest thing I've I've seen. Just seeing female musicians and namely female guitar players, it's just it will never not yeah. be cool. It's so <laughs> cool. I would love to, you know, I'd love to see the the phrase "she's really good for a girl" just go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just you know. Female guitar player, it's just guitar player. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, it still happens with female singer songwriter. Yeah, like, I know, right? <laughs> you know, things think among, time. among <laughs> musicians, though, there's a, a real sense of sort of community, though. Where mm-hmm. just, just, totally. It, it does seem to be around here. It's like it, people still think it's cool and there is a rarity to it. Mm-hmm. But it's also a bit like musicians are just musicians. Yeah, Like that's they true. just want to get together and jam yeah. and play. And once, once you all start playing, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's pretty level yeah. as far as just all right, yeah, take one, Sarah. Yeah. And she plays a solo. It was like, that was great. Um, which is, I don't know, that's sort of been the beautiful thing among yeah. musicians and uh, the musician community. It seems like when you read and hear about Muscle Shoals and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm. where there kind of was no issues in, yeah. in, in race between musicians. Yep, right? where it was just it's like people were just players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was kind of what you were respected for. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's That's one of my favorite music documentaries. Music. I'm glad you brought that up. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I'm a huge music documentary nerd, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, that's one of the good ones. Um, anyway, so you guys are playing um, four dates uh, in the Northeast starting December 6th at uh, the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn, New York. Um, so I'm very excited for that show. And, and that's also the date that uh, the new EP comes out. So best of luck with with that. I'm really excited to hear the full EP. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I've really enjoyed um, hearing more about you and your journey. And I am so excited to see you at the Knitting Factory next week. Next, tomorrow. Yeah. Or this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Indeed. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> so are we. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> awesome. We'll chat soon. 
Sarah Zimmerman and Justin Davis of Striking Matches. You can catch them at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn Friday, December 6th. Uh, the ticket link is in the details of today's episode. Now, if you want to get hold of an exclusive recording of Trouble Is As Trouble Does, all you need to do is click the link in the details of this episode. It's as easy as that. And uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, give us a rating and tell your friends. And you can also find us on social media. We are at New York Artists Collective. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back in two weeks for another installment of This Next One's About. I'm Stephanie Manns. See you next time. New York Artists Collective.